0: Welcome to Next Steps, the midweek podcast from Blackhawk Church, where we dig further into the message from Sunday, explore how to apply it to our lives, and offer a practice that will help us engage in prayer and grow in relationship with God. I'm Chris Kopp, one of the pastors here, and with me is Tiffany Malloy. Hey
1: everybody, hey, good, to, good to be with you guys again today. Um, hey listen, I heard from a bunch of you that last week's episode with Becky Allen was a really hit the spot for you guys. It's there is that conversation has started such great um, conversations among you guys. So thanks so much for reaching out to us and letting us know um, how that has impacted your life. And if you haven't listened, go ahead and go back a couple um, episodes and go ahead and, and take a listen to that.
0: Yeah, Becky, uh, is amazing and a really inspirational um, story. We were happy to have her here. Uh, well, we think you'll recognize today's guest and you'll want to hear as much as possible from him today. Uh, so we're going to jump in with two feet in just a second. But before we do that, we wanted to let you know about two things related to the podcast coming up. First is this, on Friday of this week, so in two days, we're gonna be releasing a special Q&A that we did with Pastor Charles Yu on the topic of race. Uh, We cover a ton of ground from defining what race is to talking about systemic racism, Black Lives Matter and God's solution for the problem of racism, Uh, a whole just gamut of different things that that we get into. So you'll definitely wanna check that out.
1: Yeah, and then the following week, we will be joined by Matt, Charles and Pastor Chris And we'll be digging into a discussion on politics and faith following Chris's message on politics this Sunday. So if you have any questions related to politics that you would like them to answer, send us an email at podcast at blackhawkchurch.org. And we will make sure to um, get to some of those. Well, speaking of Pastor Chris, this past Sunday, he gave a message on how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and how that claim was meant to be something that actually comforted the disciples. And so today we are excited to dig into that a little bit more because joining us for this conversation is Pastor Chris Dolson. Welcome, Chris. Woohoo!
2: So awesome. glad to have you here. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be here. So that's fantastic. Thanks for having me. Sure. So, yeah. we'll just start us off, most people are aware
0: of this at this point, but if you're not a normal Blackhawk attender and you're listening to this, or maybe you're newer to the church, uh, we are in a leadership transition right now where over the course of the next year, Chris, you will be handing over the lead pastor role to Matt Metzger. So, how many days do you have left now?
2: That would be 255 days.
0: <laughs> he, he always <laughs> knows, not that anyone is, is counting.
2: Yeah, there you go. Have you had Matt on yet? We haven't. Awesome. I'm glad I beat that guy. (laughs) That's great. And that's good. How many of these, you've had about six of these podcasts or something like that? Yeah.
1: So it's about time that you showed up. Yeah, you finally got me on.
2: That's great. I think that's fantastic. Well, awesome. Yeah. No, I'm happy. Uh, And I've heard the podcast, so it's great to be a a part of it. So I I love what you guys are doing.
0: Thanks. Well, we can't start with the best and then be downhill from there. Oh, my goodness. (laughs)
2: Wow. Wow. Good. That was good, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. There you go. Well, so what did you just say, 255 days? Yeah, that's right. July 1st, 2021 is the, actually the congregation voted on this. So so, uh, part of the vote was that on July 1st, 2021, Matt would become the new senior pastor. Yeah, which is a great move. This guy is a great leader, oh my gosh. Mm. We have so many great uh, people here on staff. What a great team. I feel so good about everything that's going on at Blackhawk and the leadership core. Building a culture is the most important thing a leader can do. And uh, I'm not done that by myself, obviously, but um, we have a culture of leadership here, and it's just really cool to see. I have every confidence in the world that things are going to go well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're we're certainly not trying to push you out the door or anything. Um, actually, I think it's the opposite. I think I speak for so many of us when I say thank you for your service and how you've led Blackhawk Church with integrity, authenticity, uh, and humility. I'm truly grateful for you as a leader. Um, I personally have been in full-time vocational ministry for almost 10 years now, and I look at people like you who've done it so faithfully for so long. Um, so thank you for, mm. for your example.
2: Uh, no, it's a pleasure. It's a gift uh, to be able to work with such great people. And it's all because of God's grace. I don't deserve any of this mm. stuff. This mm. is all good. God's been gracious to me. I'm lucky. lucky guy. Mm. Yeah.
1: That's good. Well, before we get into the sermon stuff, Chris, I want to ask you a couple of questions, a couple of fun questions yeah, to maybe get to know you a little bit more yeah. and just to hear what's on your mind. So, Fun is good. Good. Okay. So <laughs> for the first one, are there any memories at Blackhawk that stand out to you over the years of being either really funny or an example of God's faithfulness? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're usually... Revolve around what an idiot I've been. (laughs) So I've been here 26 years and almost 27, and uh, and I was 10 years in a church in Shreveport, Louisiana. So 36, 37 years in ministry. So, which is about the age of you guys, I would imagine. Uh, But (laughs) at any any rate, uh, (laughs) yeah, when I first got here, um, the staff we had, uh, I had a part time. Uh, assistant uh, and Allison Hallworth, and she still uh, goes to Blackhawk Church, and then a full time associate pastor and a part time youth pastor. The full time associate pastor is a guy named Mark Keecaver. What a great guy. And so I had never really had a staff before. And so I'm like here like a month or two, and Mark comes knocking on my door and he goes, You think we should have a staff meeting? And I'm like, <laughs>
1: He's just waiting know. around. When is this guy going to call the yeah, first staff meeting?
2: Maybe we should. Have, I, I really probably said why, because Mark was a graduate of Trinity Seminary, and he's a great pastor, wonderful guy. I'm like, you know, you know how to do ministry, so why, why do we need to have a staff meeting? <laughs> so he goes, I thought we would probably at least pray for people. And I thought, well, that's probably a good idea. So, I mean, I thought that was funny, because you're in the room with me, and our staff's large now, yeah. and you can't imagine not having staff meetings. But I didn't know enough to do that well, when we got here.
1: And yeah. here we are. It's cool. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. For another question, um, we know that you do a lot of biking. You mentioned it on Sunday. So um, can you, what is one of your favorite trails that you or you and Becky um, have been on over the past couple of years?
2: Oh, easy question. So easy answer. So uh, we have done, for $25, you can get the state pass. Just go online and get that and uh, per person. And, and uh, any state uh, rail to trail or any state pass or state uh, trail you can get on. So our favorite, and we've done all of them around this area in Dane County. So our favorite is really outside of Dane County. If you drive up to Reedsburg, it starts. It's called the 400 Trail. And it's called the 400 Trail because... um, from the the rail line from Chicago to the Twin Cities was 400 miles. Wow. Of course, it doesn't exist anymore. They turned it into a bike trail. So part of it, part of that rail line is now called the 400 trail and runs from Reedsburg to Elroy, which is, I don't know how many miles that is, 35 miles mm. or something like that. Mm. That is unbelievable. We've done it twice now. It's just, it's like... It, it's like your own private trail. Like no one is on it. Wow. And it goes through woods and it's just beautiful. Wow. It's like my wife and I are like, where are the people? So it's like a private, oh my gosh, fantastic. So people Killer. need to get online
1: and yeah, go get do their that.
2: trail fast. El Roy Sparta is a great trail. Um, the uh, uh, Military Ridge Trail is fantastic, especially around Blue Mound. Really great, really great trails around here. Get out of your houses and get on these trails. They're fantastic.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah.
0: And you only have a little bit of time before it starts snowing. So
2: yeah, there you, you go. That's that. right.
0: Um, well, turning a corner, Chris, toward your message from Sunday, um, and this is going to feel a little bit abrupt because we're just yeah, going to no, go for it that's here. okay. No uh, easing in with an easy question. Um, I really appreciated the story in your message about the Abrahamic religions panel that you were on and how all religions aren't the same and they make different truth claims. I thought that was a really insightful story. Um, and the first time that I'd heard it too, but coming out of that, some of us might be wondering, especially depending on which part of the world we're from, what about my relatives who lived good lives, but never heard about Jesus? Uh, What happens to those that never had the opportunity to hear the gospel? Um, I know that's a frame that I, uh, heard multiple times as a missionary in East Asia, as I sat down with people and they kind of processed through after hearing the gospel it kind of hit them like what is what does that mean for my my relatives that never heard this message and are who no long are no longer alive so um, can you speak to that for a moment what what happens to those that never had the opportunity to to even hear in the first place
2: yeah so let me just back up and so you asked two questions really what about my relatives who are really good people who you know um, Don't know Jesus. And then what about the people who've never heard? So let's just divide that into two. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the first question, uh, and it's not like, oh, yeah, these are easy. (laughs) These are easy questions. So they're really difficult uh, questions. And maybe later in the podcast, we can get to my story. But these are the kind of questions that kept me from becoming uh, a devoted follower of Christ. Mm. I mean, I really really wrestled with them for a long time. So, um, yeah, there you go. So, um, the first question, what about my relatives are good people and they didn't believe like we believe, like are they in hell? What's going on with them? So, um, buried in the question is the word they were good people. Sure. So, there is an assumption there that is... Uh, totally an American, religious, Western view of religion. And that is, um, if I'm good, then I'll be rewarded. That kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly the opposite of the gospel. Uh, the gospel is not, if I'm good, I'll be accepted. The gospel is, I'm accepted, therefore I should be good. That's completely different from religion. Let me put it again. Religion says, if I'm good, then I'll be accepted. The gospel is, I'm accepted, now I want to be good. Mm. So the way we're accepted is not because we're good people, because the Bible says that we're not. We're accepted by God's grace. And God's grace has nothing to do... So just look up the word grace in a dictionary. It's like, it's undeserved merit. So... I I don't deserve it. The gospel, of grace is unmerited favor. So it's uh there is nothing I can do to cause God to love me more. There's nothing I can do to cause God to love me less. So anyone who has a relationship with God is saved by his grace, not because they are like a good person. Mm. So that's really important. But we compare ourselves to other people, and so we'll say, well, that person is better than me, he's a really good person, like the uh, story I gave with um, the Imam, Imam Malik, now I just knew this guy for an afternoon and stuff like that, but I was this guy's like an excellent person, so, or let's go Mother Teresa or something like that, usually she's, everybody <laughs> thinks like she's the greatest, so let's say that you're on the earth, and you look at uh, the the uh, topography of the earth and there's Mount Everest, which is the top. And then there's the Marianas Trench, which is the bottom. So way up at the top is somebody who's really good, like, you know, Mother Teresa, and then, you know, I'm like in a desert compared to her, you know, (laughs) and then maybe like Hitler is in Marianas Trench. So we just form a line in our minds about where people would be compared to us in terms of their relative goodness. That's the way we look at people. They are way better than I am, though that person is way worse than I am. Mm. God doesn't see people that way. And that's really hard for us to grasp. God looks at the topography like he's in outer space. And if you looked at the earth from outer space, it looks like a cue ball. (laughs) Mm. There's no difference between the Marianas Trench and Mount Everest. So all the things that... We think, oh, that person's really good, that person's really bad, they've murdered millions of people, and that person's done great for millions of people. All of those differences are flattened out because the measuring stick is not each other, but it's God. And God is greater than we can possibly imagine. So, the Bible says that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So, my relatives who are really good and they don't know Jesus. So that's the idea here is that, um, if they are good people, they should be rewarded by God and that Christianity doesn't teach that to begin with. So, um, so what happens if they don't hear the gospel? So it's, it's kind of like this. If people are only saved by believing the gospel, What about those who have never heard the gospel? The idea uh, that God would throw people into hell who have never heard about Jesus seems unfair. It seems like arbitrary. It's like the moment they die, God appears and says, you didn't receive Jesus. And when they say, Jesus who? Mm -hmm. Like I never heard of Jesus. God says, oh, gotcha. (laughs) It's too late. And it's just like God's arbitrary and stuff like that. So um, most Americans have developed some kind of universalism and they just kind of assume That, um, you know, uh, everybody is going to be, if they're good enough, except for Hitler and child molesters, you know, God's going to weigh their merits. And that um, everyone deserves some chance like that to be with God. So uh, here's the deal. Uh, There's no person who is completely innocent. So the innocent person who So the Bible would teach us no person is completely innocent. And every person has heard of God. God's revealed himself to everyone who has ever lived. And so this is Paul's argument in the book of Romans. And I'll just take a minute to read Romans uh, 1. I'll just start with verse uh, uh, 19. Since what may be known about God, God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, that would include everyone then, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Mm. So this is a very powerful passage. This is basically saying that God has revealed himself everywhere. So there are two books about God. One is the Bible and the other one is the nature, everything that's around us. And that book reveals God to everyone. There's also another way we know about God and that's not just from nature, but that's like our consciences. So Paul uh, writes in uh, chapter two of Romans um, about, he calls them the Gentiles. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. So the idea here is that um, in every person, every person can see that God's alive by looking at nature Everybody knows about God because of our consciences so that we have in anyone, at any time, at any place, there are certain things that we all know are wrong in any culture. Mm-hmm. Breach of contract, always wrong. Torturing children, always wrong. They're in any culture that you go to. So our consciences bear witness to the fact that there is a God. So everyone knows about God. God's revealed himself to everyone. And then the next thing would be that um, people have rejected God. So that's Paul's argument again in Romans 3. So we all know about God, but we've all rejected him. We've all turned to our own ways. Every single human being has done that. So I'm just trying to say that there's no innocent human being ever. Mm. So we all have rejected God. So the only way we can have a relationship with God is that if God reveals himself in in some through his scripture through the words of other believers and tells us about the good news of Jesus Christ. I again I'm talking a lot here but No, that's yeah. great.
0: Just to to maybe make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Uh, people often I think take that Romans 1 passage where it talks about Um, how no one is without excuse. We can see kind of a little bit of who God is because of nature. There's there's a theological term like general revelation. We can kind of know a little bit of who he is through, through nature and how he's revealed himself. So some people will stop there and say, well, maybe it's possible, even if they've never heard the name of Jesus, to kind of, have this intuition that there's this God or this this higher being. And if I submit to my, myself to that, maybe there's a chance for yes. those, maybe that, that even didn't know the name of Jesus or ever hear the gospel, um, that because God is good and we can, can trust his character and that he's trustworthy, Maybe maybe that was enough and, and that God will deal justly with those people based on what they did know about about him. But you're kind of saying, like, look, when we get to Romans three, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, um, that that we've all we, we all need a savior, despite the fact that we might have kind of intuited that that there's a God who exists and that kind of thing. So what what would you say to the person that says yeah, I kind of, my relatives maybe knew that there was a God um, through nature. Yeah. They submitted himself to to that. And, I, and I'm just going to trust that God is good and he's just. And I don't know for sure what happened. Yes, Jesus is the only way to know for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm going I'm to trust that maybe there's a, a potential uh, for for something different to happen there. How would you respond to, to kind of that argument that someone might make?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um it's complex because the Bible has some funny verses in it. Right. I mean, if you take uh, the songs in Revelation, literally at the end of the Bible, where someone from every nation mm. and every tongue, okay, like there's a whole language <laughs> groups are out of existence now. Right. So if you take those verses literally, that someone from every people group is represented Uh, in that great throng in Revelation. Well, how'd those people get there? (laughs) So that's a, now some people say, well, that's metaphor. You don't take it literally and stuff like that. But um, I don't know if it's the right thing for me to do on a podcast to punt and say, I don't know. (laughs) But I mean, what I do know is that um, buried in the question is, depending on the nature of the skeptic, is the hidden idea that God is not good. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I am better than him because I'd provide a, that's now we're, 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 we're back at the garden at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause that's the whole work of the uh, enemy in the sure. garden is to doubt. did God really say, so once we start going down that road, that's the wrong road to go down. Mm. So God is good. God wants people to experience life and to thrive with Him more than we do. Mm. And God is just, more than we can possibly fathom. So I kind of like to revolve my mind around those kind of things. He first uh, Timothy two four he doesn't want anyone to perish but all to come to knowledge and then Ezekiel uh, thirty three eleven uh, God doesn't even want wicked people he doesn't and people say well uh, God just enjoys the fact that wicked people no no he doesn't like that either mm. so he wants so we have to always make sure that we have the God of the Bible who wants everyone to come to know Him and then if we go down a series of questions to say God is somehow not good. Stop, 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 stop. He's good. He's a good God. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how those people got there. But if it's somebody from every people group and every language, literally, huh, that's interesting. Mm. What we do see in Acts 8 is um, this Ethiopian is like, you know, he's just, so why is the story of, of the Ethiopian eunuch, why is that in the Bible? It's kind of like, oh, what's going on here? So uh, we see this uh, Jewish guy who's rebelling against uh, God in Acts 9. That's that's Paul. We see S- Stephen, who's a Jewish guy, who comes to faith in Christ in Acts 7. So he's a believer. Then you have this Ethiopian, like might represent people like who have never heard, So he comes to faith. And how does that happen? Well, in a miraculous way, Mm. you know, in in this miraculous thing that happens to Philip. And then in in Acts 9, it's the Jewish person who is self-righteous, Paul. He comes to faith. So there's almost an example in those three chapters of three different kinds of people coming to faith. And uh, I don't know uh, exactly why Luke put it there, but perhaps it's a big metaphor to help us see that God wants all all different kinds of people to come to him and he's willing to do whatever he can to get people uh, to uh, trust the name of Christ.
0: Yeah, he's in pursuit of all people in a, in a variety of different ways. Yeah,
2: hard, he's in a hard pursuit. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense or not. That's yeah. good. Yeah.
0: yeah, I appreciate your honesty too. With Sometimes we we don't, we don't know. We don't. Yeah. We can't put n- nice little uh, bows on everything, and um, but just a, an appeal to trust the character of God—that mm-hmm. we do know that He's good, mm-hmm. He's trustworthy, and He's just—and to approach these questions from from kind of that that place of humility and remembering who He is.
2: Right. Yeah. Can I comment about that too? Yeah. I feel like thanks for saying that. I'm not as humble as you think I am, um, but. Um, Questions are good, uh, and we shouldn't get to a place where we go, well, I don't know, I'll just believe. I mean, for some people, maybe, but for other people, no. We need to dig, 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 dig. And I guess my word on Sunday was, there's probably not a question you're thinking of that hasn't been thought of by really bright people. And there's some really bright people who probably have at least it tried to go down that. And it's probably like the question that you're just asking me now, there's whole books on this. So like the one chapter in the reason of God from Keller, that is just, and he's probably refers to 20, 30 books in that chapter. So I would just encourage the listener, don't be satisfied, dig, 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 ask good questions. God is truth and he's on the side of truth. So if you're digging and moving towards truth, you're going in God's territory. So that's why I said, once you get to a place where you go, God's not good, I'm better than what? Stop, 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 stop. You're moving in a different direction at that point. Mm. Yeah. That's
1: good. Um, I heard a quote from um, Frederick, Buchner, I think is how you pronounce yeah, his name, Buechner. and he said that um, doubts are the ants in the pants of faith, and it keeps it alive and moving. Yes, and so yes. I have found such comfort in that oh, quote yes. to knowing that our doubts and our questions it, it it helps us to to move continue to continue to move towards God. Um, yeah, and I love that.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things we're trying to do here at Blackhawk Church is build a, a loving community that follows Christ, where people. Bring their doubts. Absolutely. That's a, uh, a great thing. It reminds me of the story about uh, John the Baptist. I don't know if I have time to share that or not. Can I share that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, he <laughs> baptizes Jesus, you know, this whole thing. He hears the voice from heaven, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> so this is my beloved son. You know, you, you hear that. I mean, you yeah. go, okay, this is the right person. Mm-hmm. And then John gets thrown into prison and he's going through a really difficult time. And he sends his own disciples to Jesus, <laughs> yeah. and, and his disciples, Oh, these disciples are from, from John. What do they want? They. This is the question, Master. Are are you the one? Are you the one? Yes. <laughs> the one, yep. Or is there someone else? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my gosh. Mm. John the Baptist said that, and then Jesus. The, the way Jesus responded to the doubts of John the Baptist was, he told his disciples, "No one has lived who's better than John the Baptist." Mm. So, Jesus didn't say, oh my gosh, I can't believe. He just said the opposite. So, uh, questions are good. Awesome. Doubts. John the Baptist had serious doubts about whether Jesus was the Messiah or not after he heard the voice of God. So, yeah. I
1: I think that's a great example of how no matter how long we are on this journey of faith with Jesus, all of us, many of us still wrestle with these doubts. And it's it's not like, oh, I'm done doubting. It's no, it's it's oh, we continue man. to wrestle, yeah, and that's okay if you're you, listening and you're wrestling. It's it's good, and you don't have to be afraid. It's
2: no, it's absolutely it bring me back sometime. I don't know what I have to do to get back on the podcast, but I talk about doubts. I have doubts now. Yeah. I have, doubts are they feed our growth, yeah. they, they're not something we should move away from. Yeah,
0: well, we've talked about that on the podcast a little bit previously, especially in this. Season that we're in with COVID and people going through really difficult things. I mean, John the Baptist is in prison, this place of suffering, and now he's having questions about who Jesus is and and if he's the one. I think similarly, when we go through moments of suffering or just trials and and difficult seasons in our lives, it's yeah, it's it's kind of natural. Well, it's natural for me. I'll 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 use myself as an example to. Well, I, I believed those things on paper before, but now that I'm actually going through it, um, it's it's really easy to to question some of those things, but I appreciate your encouragement to press into that and mm-hmm. to keep going and and that it's it's not just okay, but it's good to to do that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's all f- faith is our faith is not an unreasonable faith, but faith is what really encourages the Lord. And faith is, has to do with things that are not seen. Yeah. yeah it's
0: good. Well, before we um, before we move on, uh, again, really appreciated your answer to that first question. It was a big one that we, we threw at you. Um, yeah, no, good. I, I, I really appreciated just in, in listening to you talk about that. Uh, I, I referenced this earlier. I spent some time as a missionary overseas and... I remember one conversation with a guy in particular as he had just heard the gospel for the first time. And I was expecting him, I was kind of bracing for him to react to the exclusive nature of this truth claim from Jesus, like, like Western people often do. But instead of him asking like, you know, what about my relatives? He said, why didn't you come sooner? That Mm. was his question. And so Mm. I'm just encouraged by you, Chris, and in talking through this, that, um, it's kind of reinvigorated my own heart and, and soul to, to take seriously that God cares and has a heart for the world and, and for the lost and for people that don't know him. Um, we don't know all the answers to some of these other questions, but we do know what you talked about on Sunday, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so at least for me, that motivates me to, to want to share him with the people that I love.
2: Yeah, that is the really, that's the really unfortunate thing is that so many people who know Christ don't care and don't talk to their living relatives now mm-hmm. and share things about Christ or their walk and with people that they know now. It's not like you got to go meet someone you've never met. Yeah. It's people that you actually know. Yeah. yeah. That's the sad thing is that we don't share more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Chris, um, the exclusive nature of Jesus' claim that He's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him is obviously one of the bigger apologetic issues that people often wrestle with um, now and have been wrestling with for um, a while. But I'm so curious, um, since you first began in ministry, those questions um, or barriers to faith are they the same ones that you see in our culture now? Are they are they different? Are there any new questions um, in the past, you know, five years that that you found yourself answering more of? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, some things. Now, you know, I'm just one pastor in 37 years of ministry, or whatever. So it's just my experience but my experience is some things are the same and some things have changed. So to me there's has al- there's always been um, a set of compelling questions that are the same in every generation and uh, I don't think there're many compelling questions there's only a few really I think is there a god does god exist that's a compelling question and that's asked generation after generation, doesn't matter where you live. Is there a God? Is there a God? Where did all this stuff come from? Is there a God? And then um, another one would be, how do I know he exists? That kind of thing. Uh, another question about would be, uh, has that God revealed himself? Has he actually revealed himself? So that's a compelling question. For those of us who are, uh, know something about the Bible, uh, and we grow up in a world that has something like the Bible, then we go, is this his revelation? So there's a bunch of people that are saying that it's his revelation. Is this his mm-hmm. revelation? And then uh, then how do we square the Bible with what things we learn in, in school in science? And so the age of the universe and all these issues about creation and all that kind of stuff, evolution... And then another compelling question would be, if there is this God, why is there so much suffering in the world? Mm -hmm. There's an an inordinate amount of suffering. The amount of suffering in the world is incredible. And so how does that square with a God who's a loving God? And the Bible says he's a loving God. How does that square with that? Mm -hmm. So those are compelling questions. And they have been around. (laughs) Those don't change, Mm -hmm. I don't think. So it's the question of evil question of evolution and creation and the Bible. And so those are kind of the same things. Mm -hmm. So I ran into those. Those are some of the issues I had. And I think there's issues that still are out there today. So some things that have changed. um, Oh, uh, let me get back to that. Um, My journey has to do with the fact that someone came into my life who was a lot smarter than I uh, was and, Walked with me through that. So didn't poo poo that, you know, like, oh, well, you know, uh, God loves everybody and um, s- suffering's not that big of an issue and stuff like that. I mean, I would have just, like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> suffering's mm-hmm. a big deal. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just reminded by the most powerful apologetic is love. That's the most powerful apologetic. So even though you may not know the answer to something, just walking with someone or, or just metaphorically saying, let's try to find that answer together. Because the amount of literature on all these things is mind-blowing. Or the amount of podcasts, really, or things on the internet is just mind-blowing. So, you can walk with someone to help them. But um, love, to me, is the most powerful apologetic. I love this uh, quote from Athanasius. It's it's off the top of my head. It's not a quote. But uh, he's one of the early church fathers. He said, people are persuaded uh, first by how we live, then by reasoned argument." Huh. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. powerful. Mm-hmm. That's Athanasius. So it's like first, how do we actually live? Do we really care about people? Mm-hmm. And then they'll listen to reasoned argument. If you start with reasoned argument and then you don't really care about that's, wow, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, so what's different? Um, evangelicals are today uh, really characterized. Um, as mean people. I mean, if I just, if I would just meet a stranger and they found out that I was a pastor of an evangelical church, it would be, most likely they would see me as someone who's anti-gay, anti-love, anti-all kinds of things. And, um, it was starting 37 years ago, uh, but not as much as I think it is today. Mm. Mm. So I think we we're starting off further in the back. Uh, so they see us kind of as mean people. And then there's something that I think is just a phenomenon here recently. And I I know this is coming out right before the election, but there is an equation of white Republicans and evangelicals that's happening today, which is very very sad. Mm-hmm. And uh, two out of every five evangelicals in our country are people of color. So, um, and they're just dismissed from the conversation altogether. So that's sad. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, uh, we're not partisan here. I'm not speaking against Republicans (laughs) who are white and stuff like that. I'm just saying that for many people in many places, that is negative. It's a negative caricature. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's changed, I think, too. The other thing, another thing that's changed is um, some of the core concepts that um, I think were more core with people back in the 70s uh, and 80s. There is a God um, that's more important than me and my life. I think that's changed. I think now. The movement is about me, my identity, who I am. The most important thing in the world is me. Mm. And who am I? I got to get that question answered. That's a shift.
3: Mm.
2: That's a worldview shift. Mm. People have not thought that way for most of the history of the planet. Mm. And today, if you tell people they most people haven't thought that way, they think you're crazy. Because it's just common way of thinking today. So if any listeners are interested in reading a large book on this, <laughs> The Secular Age by Charles Taylor okay. would be a way to... mm. <laughs> It's a really large book, but he chronicles that whole thing, that big shift in culture. Mm. So now my identity, who I am, I don't like my identity. I wish I had another identity or I'll do anything in the name of my identity. Those really, those issues now are front and center. Mm-hmm. And so we can't act like that's not front and center because it is. Mm-hmm. So we had to respond to that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, but that's a shift, I think, in our culture.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. and maybe even in the church, right? I mean, if you think oh, yeah. about all yeah. of us, like oh, yeah, the, totally. those are questions that we're having. So, uh, Thanks for how, saying that, Tiffany. Yeah, right? it's I not mean, like the, yeah. there are those people
2: out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's me, right? It's yeah, me, that's right, it's that's you. Right. It's, yeah.
1: um, so as you think about that, Chris, and maybe as you you know reflect on that in your own life, are there practices or are there habits that you engage in that help you to resist that narrative or that help you to, um, to look beyond yourself?
2: That's a great question and I feel I must answer it as a pastor but i really Just don't do want have to a
1: real person have a real
3: i'm married yeah.
2: i'm yeah. married to a woman <laughs> who She'll will not you on for one list. minute let me think that the world revolves around me <laughs> that's,
3: that's, <laughs> that's true. the honest truth that's right
2: true. there <laughs> yeah totally. once i start going hey it's all about me honey that's the it's, that's the end of it that's, <laughs> that's the end of that true. so i'm sorry that's, but no, i'm, that's I'm good. not trying to make that's fun right. no. but that's mm-hmm. the way it is in my house.
1: yeah right well it's about people in our lives right having people close to you that are going to be lovingly honest with you and then being able to hear that and to receive that, I think is something. Mm -hmm. I think,
2: uh, yeah, we need to have somebody. You're actually not the center of the universe. You know, it's good to have people like that around us and stuff like that. And I feel like um, there's something about the fact that I am important and my needs are important and I do want to know who I am as a person and my journey So, the good part of that is, yes, yes, you are important. Mm -hmm. You're important because you're made in the image of God, and God loves you. You have unbelievable worth as a human being. So, it's not that we're saying people aren't important. We're we're saying absolutely, absolutely you are important, and to discover... The Christian response to that is really a loving response. It's like, oh my gosh, you're so important. You're more important than you can possibly fathom. And um, because this is what God tells us in his word. And so because you're so important, God has good news for you. Mm. So it's not that we don't think people are important, but in terms of doing theology and doing ministry, there's a shift that's happened mm-hmm. in our culture.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah.
0: It's all been really helpful. As we wrap up here, Chris, um, what, what encouragement would you give to someone who's maybe just struggling with doubt, um, or questions with their faith, whether God is good in this season? Uh, we know we've, again, we've heard from a lot of people that this has just been a hard season. So what encouragement would you, would you give to them as their pastor in this moment?
2: Yeah, I'm would say to, um, reach out and to, um, Uh, I think when we bury anger, that leads to depression. And uh, if we can't talk to someone about how we feel, you're on the road to uh, some really sad thoughts about yourself and the world. Mm -hmm. And so reach out, talk to someone, have a conversation with someone that you trust about what you're going through uh, right then. And hopefully those people are in your life in some way. And that's the idea of what we want to provide with groups and stuff like that, that we finally get to a place where we, oh I got this funny thing to happen. I won't mention anybody's name, but in my group, you know, we all do the Zoom thing, you know? And uh, so this one person on my Zoom, and she's probably listening to this, she, um, you know, when your, your face is not there, but, you know, your like initials or something are there, uh-huh. you know? And we say, hey, you know, she says, yeah, I don't want you guys to see me because, you know, I'm just, all, I'm a mess and stuff like that, you know? And I just want you to look at my initials. And we were like really razzing her. She said, come on, come on, come on, come on. So then, so then she made it so that we could see her. And yeah, she was not not fixed up, you know? No she was like totally, you know? And um, like, it's okay. And then yeah. all the women in the group, all our women, yeah. they, they were all like, it's okay, you can turn it off. <laughs> but I'm just That's saying, right. we, yeah. have, we have a group that mm. is trusts one another. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we love each other and and we can be unkept in front of each other you need that mm. and if people don't have that wow so find some friends where you can be that you can be unkept around mm. and that you can be raw in front of and then grow with those folks
1: yeah mm. Good. Well, Chris, thanks so much for being here with us, for answering some of these questions. Um, yeah, thank hopefully you. Hopefully before you um, retire, we'll be able to get you back on here again. Yeah,
2: maybe. We'll well, see. I, I would like to uh, do that. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for doing this. It's been a pleasure. And uh, maybe we've stimulated some more questions. Mm-hmm. I've always found that once you try to answer someone's question, that usually just <laughs> kicks off about yeah, 10 more questions. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, so if you, that's a good point. If you have anything that you just want to follow up with someone about, um, reach out to any of us on this podcast. Reach out to us at podcast at blockhawkchurch.org. Um, or if we can help you with any of the things Chris just talked about, if we can help you to find a small group. uh, Luckily, we have three people in this room that that can definitely assist you with that. Um, But we want to be a resource to you as maybe you're experiencing um, some of this disorientation or some of these doubts. Uh, So let us know if we can help in any way.
1: Yep, that's great. All right. Well, we will be joined by Chris again next week, actually. I forgot, Chris, that you're going to be here next week, too. So there, there you, go. you go. There's your second time. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> um, he'll be here along with Charles and Matt as we have a discussion on politics and faith. So we'll hear from him again soon. But before we close, we want to invite you just to take a few more minutes to process through what you just heard. We are going to have a couple of reflection questions for you to think through before we wrap up things for the day. So um, you can go ahead and find a spot that you can um, sit back and um, reflect on these questions.
0: So first listen to these words from John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. As you think about how this was meant to comfort Jesus' disciples, how might it bring you comfort in the midst of whatever you're facing today?
1: is someone that you could begin to pray for that might come to see Jesus as the way and put their faith in him take a moment to identify that person and then pray for them Well, thanks for joining us today. We will see you back here on Friday for a special Q&A on Race with Pastor Charles, and then join us on the podcast next week for the panel with Matt, Chris, and Charles on Politics and Faith. Have a great week. God bless.